filibuster is supported through Patreon by listeners like you. Check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. We also get support from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions for the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia. They handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. This is very much a DC is crazy small story. Yesterday, we're recording this on Tuesday night, on Monday evening, afternoon, still daylight. I'm walking home with my wife and our kids. I'm pushing the double stroller and we come onto our street and um, I, I see these two guys down the alley kind of looking around, looking up at the artist studio on one side and kind of looking in a yard on the other side. And I'm like, what's going on there? And I, I just kind of keep an eye on them. Um, and there's a kid with them too, like looks, looks vaguely middle school age, maybe a slightly younger. So it's and ben Olson. we get closer and I'm like, that is Ben Olson. <laughs> That's literally Ben Olson. And, uh, I say, kids, let's go say hi to Ben Olson. And, uh, he, it turns out had been locked out of his studio because he, he rents space at a pretty great artist colony in my neighborhood. Um, that's known as O street, just the O street studios. And, um, he, he shares some studio space there for his painting. If, you're listening to this and you don't already know Ben Olson picked up painting when he was injured late in his playing career and has continued it and takes it really seriously. Like he's really into it, but not like, not like in an uptight way. He's super self-critical and like wants to just reflect on everything that he's read done. Mauer's article about Ben Olson's painting. Yeah. If you, if you haven't subscribed to the athletic, use your free month and go read all of Pablo's stuff, frankly. Uh, but especially the, the interview he does with with Ben Olson and shows some of his artwork, which uh, Benny told me has either been sold or painted over the the pieces <laughs> that were in that story. <laughs> um, and he he sold a few pieces to season ticket holders, uh, some. Um, but he he was out in the alley trying to get in to to the studio. Uh, I don't know if he had something there that he needed to give it to his brother or or what. Uh, I didn't pry, but he was looking for a ladder to get up onto this roof section over some garages because his studio is right there on that second floor that you can access it through a window. So he was asking one of my neighbors to use his ladder. That was going to be a stretch to reach it. And I, I look up and I'm like, I, I got a ladder that can reach that if you need it. And he's like, can we, that'd be great. And so I, we walk <laughs> over to my house. He, he talks to my kids for a little while, compliments my five-year-old daughter on her artwork because unprompted she said hey can i show you a picture of my kindergarten class i'm starting next week um and he he like looked at it and was like critical in a really nice way where he's like i see what you're doing here i see the depth this is really good <laughs> like he was very very sweet i bring down my ladder his brother is like teaching his son how to work the ladder and everything and then he just runs up it up to the second floor opens the window and then lets us in and Benny's like, you guys want to come up and see? I was like, sure. So I take my kids up there and they very nearly spray spray paint in their faces. Um, and Benny talks about his art for just a couple minutes unprompted. I told him all of this is going in the podcast. You understand? He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, that's fine. so just to recap, you helped the, the head coach of DC United 
break into a building with your ladder. Yes, hundred okay. percent. No, that's cool. That is <laughs> that is what happened. Um, you know, it's it's a nice story of DC being crazy small with a side of breaking and entering. And uh, just to to make it extra DC, if you if you know the history of um, DC through the eighties and the nineties, the name Tony Lewis will mean something to you. Um, his son, Tony Lewis Jr., community organizer in DC and a neighbor of mine drove through. We had to move the ladder out of his way as he drove onto the block. So I'm here helping Ben Olson onto the roof of a building while Tony Lewis Jr. drives by in, in his car. And I'm just, my, my wife pointed it out to me afterwards. She's like, that is the most DC, like two very different parts of DC just happening and we happened to be at the intersection of it. And it was just kind of this wonderful moment for, for me. Anyway, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was really fun. And, and Benny is, as always, just a good dude. Uh, whatever you think of his, his coaching, uh, I know there are, there are people on across the spectrum. And, and I've largely been an Olsen apologist. But aside from that, just as a, on a human level, Ben Olsen, I am pro. I think we all are. Amen. All right. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Breaking and Entering podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Ben Bromley. Jason Anderson has the week off, so we have invited our good friend, Donald Wine II, to join us. He's also from Black and Red United, Stars and Stripes FC, and uh, anywhere the U.S. national teams are playing. The internet? He's, yeah. He's probably there. Uh, and the internet. He's on every national broadcast. Um, there, There's... Uh, a rule. It's usually, that, it's usually the back of my head, but <laughs> although really, we, we, really, the networks need to start paying Donald for yes. his image. Let, let's be real feet. here. It's not. It's not a national team broadcast until you see some part of Donald Wine on the screen. Sometimes hey. it's a high sock. Sometimes it's a headband. Sometimes it's a very wide open mouth. But some part of <laughs> of his outfit or or his body needs to be on the air. Otherwise, it doesn't count as a broadcast. I'll take it. You guys, you guys got to show me when I'm on TV to make sure I look good. Always. I mean, when do you not look good? When I when I don't look good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a. Uh, like I said, we're all from Black and Red United. We talk about DC United on this show. That's what we're doing tonight. Uh, DC United got a win. They're first in a little while. They're third in the last 15 games or so. So they, it was a much needed win at home over the LA Galaxy. Two to one. We're going to talk about that. We are also going to answer your questions in a Twitter box segment later in the show. Before we do anything, though, Donald, got to ask, what are you drinking? Well, tonight I was out with my uh, cousin. I had got an early dinner before I had to take care of a few things. And uh, I was drinking some old-fashioned, so I wanted to keep the party going. I realized I don't have all the ingredients for an old-fashioned. So what, instead, I, I pivoted and I went with a apple brandy, fruition apple brandy, which is from Gulch Distillers in Helena, Montana. Um, and it's very, very mm. good. Um, so if you find yourself in the Helena area... Uh, I highly recommend Gulch. They have a great rum there as well. Um, but all of their stuff was pretty good. But I am drinking their apple brandy. Nice. I was yelled at by a drunk man in a bathroom in Helena, Montana, uh, 20 years ago. Oh, wow. I don't think Gulch was there yet, but. Probably not. It wasn't, I, I, it wasn't spirit. So he wasn't drunk on Gulch, importantly. No. Not yet. No. <laughs> ben, what are you drinking? 
I am drinking a bourbon bee's knees, which is basically similarly, it's very similar to an old fashioned, except it uses uh, honey as the sugar instead of simple syrup. Ooh. And it requires a lot more whisking or heating up the uh, the honey, but it's good. I really like it. Worth the extra effort? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> that was a it very was convincing answer. Very, <laughs> very committed. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's like um, in season four of Arrested Development when Ed Helms is trying to sell um, Tobias and... and um, oh God, why am I blanking on her name? Portia de Rossi's character, uh, trying to sell them more house than they need. Cause it's the lead up to the housing crisis. And he's just like, eh, maybe you don't need it. And then they're like, yeah, we do need it. That's been with honey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you don't need it. Yes, I do. Uh, I I've got a Marg tonight. Um, super basic. No, Margs. nothing special. I, I don't think I love Margs as much as you love Margs, Ben, or at least the word Marg is very much <laughs> your brand. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good. It's easy. It's simple. It's tasty. I like it. Should we talk soccer? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, All unlike right. Most weeks recently, it's actually good to talk about. That's a great point. Uh, DC United. Uh, went on the field with no Rooney and no Lucho and, you know, no worries. They, uh, Ben Olsen turned back the clock a little bit, played uh, a little bit like the pre Audi field version of DC United on Sunday night, giving the galaxy, the ball, most of the initiative, but none of the points. And that's what matters in the end. Paul Ariola put the black and red ahead in the first half. TT Rodriguez with the game winner in the second half. United hold off Zlatan and the gals two to one to claim all three points. Um, hey, let's let's start at the beginning. The lineup for this one. We heard a couple hours before kickoff that Wayne Rooney was out with an upper respiratory ailment. Um, it turns out Lucho Acosta was also sick, but he was available for selection and was warming up with the subs. But um, We'll talk more about, I guess, his exit after the game later, unless we don't either way. Uh, It turns out he was sick as well with a stomach bug. Uh, But United went out there and took care of business. They, uh, like I said, it it was was a throwback performance in a lot of ways. Just let the Galaxy keep the ball and then clinical at the other end of the field. Uh, So I'm curious, Ben, your, your overall thoughts on the game. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It what it did feel like a 2015-esque pre-Lucho Acosta signing with DC United game. Uh DC United left all of the possession to the Galaxy uh for the most part and uh broke on the counter and overall it worked. They relied on the defense to be good. They relied on Bill Hamid to be good. Uh, not even good. He rely on Bill Hamid to be great, and he was like he always is. And the offense was good enough, and it it just worked. So you don't always want to pull that uh, that that out of your tool bag, but when you need to, uh, Ben Olsen teams have always proven that they can that they have this uh, they have this at the ready. So when you need it. When the three back isn't really working, uh, it's good to know that you can still pull this one out. 
yeah, it was, I was happy to see uh, Benny move away from the three back. We had, we talked about him previous yes. weeks. I was probably more willing to give it more time than, than other people. But after last week I'd had enough and thankfully so had Ben Olson. Donald, what caught your eye about the performance? Uh, so th- there's a lot, um, you know, entering the game, like you said, we learned right before the game, there's no Rooney. Acosta's on the bench. Uh, they didn't use any subs whatsoever in this game. And if you had told me that Zlatan Ibrahimovic would get off 15 shots, which is the most in MLS history for any one player in one game, uh, and that we would win 2-1, to one, and he did not score that one goal, I probably would have bet you everything I owned, and I would be without everything I own. Um, that That is kind of what you take away from this. You, you had some players who, who didn't have particularly great games, but they fought through it. Uh, I thought I, I want to single out Jalen Robson. I thought he had mm-hmm. a tremendous game. He was um, great. He was really, really good. And Quincy Ameriqua, there was yeah. times where he was, he was in on corner kicks. If you guys notice, he was the one charged with guarding Zlatan Ibrahimovic and he was doing it with his head. He literally would put his head on Zlatan's body so he that he trolled Zlatan so good. Yeah, but it was smart in a way because if you think about oh, it, sure. like Zlatan is a, is a strong player. He's physical. He is very quick. And you want to make sure that you put a body on him without using your hands. And what better way to do that than just putting your head on his back or on his shoulder. And if he moves, you know, he can't go past you without running through your head and it, he, it would be a foul. So uh, I thought that was brilliant uh, strategy on him. And, and the fact that he, did the crying thing to uh, yeah, Alvarez. He, he's definitely the, Amazing. He's the, the he, he might he's be the, the celebrity of the game. He might be I the man. Say. He might not be the man of the match. I think that was Bill, but he was definitely the MVP. <laughs> he's the um, meme Lord of the match. Yes. Yeah. Can we, can we call, can we make that a thing? Meme Lord and of the match. I don't know if how online he actually is though. He, he, oh, did no, he re- is the most online. He, he, he was, uh-huh. he was, uh, he did have a great and- comment. Yeah, he actually replied to, I think it was Tom yep. Bogert from MLSsoccer.com who, who who tweeted, was the at least the first one I saw to tweet the the video of uh, of Ameriqua crying at Alvarez. And um, Quincy's response was just perfect. Just all lowercase, no, no emotion or anything. He's like, I was just really sad. <laughs> oh, he also <laughs> tweeted at me at uh, like 1.30 a.m. after the game. So, yeah, he is online, and I, I love it. It's great. Um, yeah, he had a, he had a great game. Uh, one thing that, that caught my eye more broadly was without Lucho and Rooney on the field, there was less watching. There, was, there were fewer passengers on the field. So often when when they're on the field, everyone defers to them, which it makes perfect sense to do. They are the best attacking players on the team. But then you you get people waiting to kind of see what they're going to do to play off of them when Lucho's entire game is letting someone make a run and then reacting to that run and, and doing that. So when both when everyone is waiting for everyone else to do something, we get a lot of the attacking performances we've seen of late. On on Sunday, there wasn't that. There was no deferring. Everyone was was taking it upon themselves to make that run, and and we saw it on the first goal. Bill Hamid kicks the goal kick long. Ameriqua wins the the one on one battle to to flick on the header, and you see both Ariola and Segura 
go for the ball. And when Paul realized that Uli was going to get there first, he arcs his run around into the space that Segura's defender was vacating and basically used that defender as a pick. And Segura, to his credit, I've, I've given him a hard time on, on this show about his, some of his attacking foibles, but he nailed it on this one. And actually he had a hand in the second goal too. Um, and just flicks the ball into Ariola's path and Ariola with the, the full volley, just to roll it past the keeper. Absolutely beautiful goal. Uh, very throwback, like I said before, but, um, everyone was doing something and, and reacting and being proactive at the same time. And that was nice to see. And I want to see that continue when Lucho and Rooney get back in the lineup, which I fully expect both of them will, uh, as, as soon as this week. You know, Adam, I, I think that makes you bring up a great point. We, when you're talking about the difference between DC and the Galaxy on Sunday night, it was that work rate. Like, in the absence of our best star, our, our two best stars, uh, we still had guys that were working hard every single second. You had Ariola running all over the place. You know, TT was running all over the place. Yara was running all over the place. I, I know we'll probably talk about it a little bit later, but I thought Felipe had a really good game in the sense that he was, he was all over the ball. He was trying to make an impact in the game and trying to do the things that a, a good team player does and, and strike points for him. I mean, we'll talk about his, you know, the controversy surrounding him and, and the air around him as he got onto the team, but he, he earned some brownie points on, on Sunday night with that. But on the converse, on, on the other side, when you have to talk about LA, they were basically hoping that Zlatan would get one of his 11 billion shots in and they wouldn't have to worry about it. And when he didn't, that kind of made them fall flat. I mean, the only, you know, Pavone had did fairly well, but he wasn't, uh, he was kind of neutralized at times during the attack. And some of the other guys that you have come to know their names over the last few weeks, like Polenta and Alvarez, uh, I mean, Alvarez scored, but Valenta was really not where, not, you know, he wasn't anywhere to be found. And, you know, those type of guys, when, when you have one guy that is counted on to do everything and you neutralize that person, that shouldn't take you out of an attack. And DC United did great in making sure that with their two best stars out or on the bench, that their attack wasn't neutralized. And I think that was what I found most impressive about the performance. Yeah, and credit to Rodriguez and Ariola for for that because they they were really the ones leading the attack and making things happen. And maybe everyone can take the lesson and United can use the wings a little more to build the attack so that we're not just doing it from deep positions with Rooney and or Acosta dropping deep to facilitate that. The other thing we had was Quincy Ameriqua staying high and in the box, which is something maybe Ola Kamara or Quincy Marroqua can can do in the lineup, whether that's with Wayne Rooney or if he subs out or or whatever. Um, we'll get to that in the the Twitter box, I think. But having a forward in the box and having wingers who are attacking does good things, even in the absence of your your best forward and your best number ten. It's uh, almost like uh, playing the four back system that this team was designed for is a good thing. It is almost like that, Ben. Yes. It's also almost like Bill Hamid is a a magical, wonderful creature that we should keep at all costs because he's a magical, wonderful creature and he loves DC and DC loves him. Damn it. He's the greatest goalkeeper alive. He, 
I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't start the best goalkeeper in MLS. Didn't stutter when I said it either. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he had he had a great night. Um it, he he had this incredible stop at toward the end of the first half where I'm not even sure who it was from LA got on the ball right around the top of the six yard box, just to turn and shoot through traffic. And it goes through all the legs and Bill Hamid manages to get down very well and very quickly and just stop it with uh, his right hand and covered up. And it was, it was great. And then because that wasn't actually enough, he also had this impossible reaction save on Zlatan in the second half. Uh, I don't know if it was Zlatan's only shot on goal, but I think it was his first shot on goal of the night. He had had it was his only shot on goal. Yeah, was that his last shot too? It was. I think he had he, he had applauded had, he applauded Bill after it too. Yeah, deservedly so. I mean, so the the cross comes in to to Zlatan, and he's pretty well marked, but he's got very long legs and incredibly good control of them. And so, even if he's very really well marked, and you're keeping him from actually fully getting to the ball, he can still stick his leg out and put a lot on a shot, and that's what he did. And it was going to the far post, and Bill Hamid's hand. Uh, I, I don't know how much he thought about it, or if it was just him acting on muscle memory and instinct gets his hand up to it. And somehow it was strong enough to, to stop the shot and knock it out for a corner. And it was just, it happened so incredibly fast. It just physically doesn't make sense to my brain, how any of it happened. And Bill Hamid is incredible. And that's, I, I don't know if you guys have more words you want to pile on that. He's the greatest goalkeeper alive. Right. I mean, I it, mean it's honestly, it, it brings up a, a I, we might talk about this a little bit later, but it, keep this in the back of your mind. Like DC United has a lot of important decisions that they're going to need to make over the next few months. And Bill Hamid might arguably be, be the most important. Yeah. I'm we're, I think that's a Twitter box question we'll get to in the next segment, but that's definitely yes. But also in, in a similar vein, but going on an, another tangent of it 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 he needs to be called into the u.s men's national team and he's just right about his uh about how good he is compared to the other u.s men's national team goalkeepers and if greg berhalter doesn't want to call him in just because of what he said greg berhalter is doing a bad job of coaching the u.s men's national team yeah, I, I'm not going to question Zach Steffen's inclusion or or even his, his no, number I one slot, but I sure the, well, everyone below be him there too. He is, should be there is not better than Bill Hamid. There, it's not it's not a question in my mind. Bill Hamid is a better goalkeeper, even taking into account uh, Berhalter's religious fervor for goalkeepers who can play the ball at their feet. Bill Hamid is better um, at that than people give him credit for. By he far. is. And he's he been is, working on that this year. You you can tell he doesn't always do goal kicks that are just, you know, shot to the, you know, other, you know, other penalty box. He has done a lot of distribution this year that people are always, but here's the thing is always like at this point, a lot of people, well, I won't say a lot of people, some fans that are not DC United fans or, you know, our stands for other people are, have already made up their minds about Bill Hamid the, because of, the state of the men's national team. I feel like everybody, their, their main, 
goal in life is to be the snarkiest men's national team fan you can possibly be. And that includes having these hot takes about Bill Hamid that, that include that he can't play out of the back, that he's not a good shot stopper, and that he's not one of the best goalkeepers in America when the truth of the matter is the dude can play his ass off. He can play out of the back like anybody else that we have in our field. And he might be, if it, if not the best goalkeeper we have, one of them. And he should be treated as such and respected oh, yeah. as such. He's definitely top three at the very least. I yeah. think top two. And you can make every case for him to be the best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Donald mentioned earlier to changing subjects here uh, because we could go on for an hour at least about the the many ways in which Bill Hamid has been mistreated by the U.S. national team and U.S. national team fans. Um, changing gears, though, Donald mentioned it earlier. Ben Olsen used no subs in this game. He said afterward that it was basically the organization and the unity and the effort was so good. He wanted to take no risks in messing that up and fatigue didn't seem to be an issue. They were in a low block anyway. <laughs> um, and that can be tiring if you do it week after week, but he, he held off his subs. It worked out on this occasion. Uh, it, it's, it's going full Os- Olsen in a way because he he famously waits longer than most people would like to use his subs this time he just didn't use them at all um i i understand the decision i i think i probably would have liked to see an attacking piece for for rodriguez or areola or or ameriqua at the end i don't know exactly who because there's not a ton of attacking depth on this team right now but Putting Griffin Yao out there for TT Rodriguez might have made some sense. Um, I'm also a Yao stand, so that that could be my bias talking. I'm curious what you guys thought. Uh, my thought was, I think Ben Olsen was making a statement about like this team can close it out as is. We don't need to make any substitutions. This team as is can do the job, and we're going to do the job with this team as is. And it worked out, so... We 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 often talk about uh, how Ben Olsen should make subs, but I think in this situation he was making a specific point uh, about his team, and he was uh, challenging this team to make them uh, handle this this situation from start to finish. So I think this was this this was a certain situation that Ben Olsen wanted to do this specific thing. Yeah, I think the only thing that I might have done, um, there might have been two two ways you can go about this. One, bring on Pines because he's a tall body, and in the last uh, he's been so minutes, bad. He, well, well, he nearly did come on, on there reason, at the end. I, you come on the end because they have a lot of corner kicks, and they're trying to send the ball into a six foot five inch Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And if you have a six foot five inch Donovan Pines there to kind of mess that up, that's but you've still, got a five foot ten Quincy Ameriqua. That's true. That, like I said, <laughs> Ameriquat did great. He he he, he did in that. But uh, I mean, just having an extra tall body in there for that last like you know minute and a half probably would have been okay. Uh, and then the other thing that you might have seen is like it, it, I don't think that LA was gassed at all. But if you feel like they were, that you bring in a Boateng who has the the, p- the pace to tire out everybody who's you know on the verge of death and you know, kind of at least keep possession away from them 
enough to ruin the game. But there's also that added element of he was just on their team, you know, five days ago. Um, right. You know, so he wants that, to, he would love to score against them just that right. quickly. Um, right. That also gives you a threat if just from it turns any clearance in his direction into a potential attacking opportunity, which mm-hmm. would have been good. Uh, I wouldn't have mind seeing that. Uh, the the last thing about this game, um, Donald, again, you, you previewed it earlier. Felipe Martins, um, you know him. You love to hate him if you're a DC United fan. And now he's on our team. Uh, and he came out and he he put in a shift. He didn't do anything bad or dirty. And report from the locker room afterwards was that he was very generous with his time and attention and was very friendly and a, a great guy in the locker room afterward when um, Jason was, was getting quotes after the game. So I this is breaking my brain a little bit. I'm not going to lie because I... I don't like that he's on DC United, but he he did contribute to this win in a week when DC United had essentially nobody else to play his position. Um, and we know that because Leo Hara was alongside him and Leo Hara is not a central midfielder, no matter what Ben Olsen wants to, how much Ben Olsen wants him to be one, he's not. And um, we saw that a couple of times over the last two games, but Felipe went out there, did a job. He took the free kicks for DC United. Some of them were fine. Some of them were less fine. But um, yeah, I'm not willing to accept him right now or accept that he's on this team. But I, I am recognizing his humanity in a way I did not previously. And so I will give him that much. <laughs> I will say that, you know, since he's, you know, since we got him last week, he, has so far done all the right things. He, he came in immediately. I mean, he was on a red eye from Vancouver um, and went straight to practice um, to, you know, get acclimated to things. He immediately was like, look, I know my, my rep here is terrible and I'm looking to change that. I'm looking to, you know, play hard for this team, even though I know the fans may feel some kind of way about me. He's recognizing that he, he went over to, the fans after the game um, was high fiving people. Was you know I think he, I think he might have even thrown his jersey or given his jersey to somebody. But he is trying to he he knows his play has to do the talking and how he interacts with people has to you know means a lot more than it does for ever, for everyone else on the team. So he's been doing that so far. And and like you said, Jason said he was uh, you know very very cordial in the in the locker room it seems like the guys like him after the game like he was one of the first people that bill hamid went to hug um so i I think that says a lot as well so uh i I really liked what i saw from him and and i know that's that is kind of blowing everybody's brain out of the water but i I think that is uh I, i like what i'm seeing so far and i just hope that this trend continues So what do we want to see on Saturday in Vancouver? We're not going to do a whole segment uh, to preview the Whitecaps this week, but know that you can watch it if you have Flow FC or you are outside of the blackout radius and have ESPN Plus Saturday night, August 17th, 10 p.m. Eastern time. I don't know if that's late enough to qualify for DCU after dark. We'll have to discuss it internally to, to decide whether that hashtag is coming out. But Ben, 
beyond the the four two three one that we definitely do want to see. What else do you want to see on the field in Vancouver? I mean, that's the thing I want to see. I want to see four backs. Uh, I mean, we have Ola Kamara, who will presumably be available for selection. We have Rooney coming back. Hopefully, uh, yeah. he was reportedly in training today, so he like fully participating. So that's good. He it sounds like I mean, he's probably the, over his ailment. Two- Lucho will be back potentially. Yeah, I mean, with the four two three one, it they're going to be there's going to be somebody who's not going to get a starting role. Uh, either it's going to be either TT or it's going to be Lucho or it won't be Rooney, but it could be Rooney or it will be Ola Kamara. Uh, my guess is that it'll be Ola Kamara just because he's new to the team and uh, he, he's figuring stuff out. Uh, but. In a four-two-three-one with the players DC United has right now, uh, there's going to be people who don't get to play. That's why I recommended a four-one-four-one for last week because that gets all of DC United's best players on the field. Uh, do you, do we maybe a, see that? Um, I don't think initially. Where where because Junior Moreno will be back. We have an actual yeah. full stay-at-home defensive midfielder that we can park there in that one spot. You put Lucho and Rooney together and Ola Kamara up top. I think it sounds great. I don't think we see it uh, from the start. Maybe we see it in the second half, but I think it's worth uh, rolling the dice on it. I mean, yeah. Donald, any anything you want to see in particular? I, I'd like to see Kamara play. I'd like to see him start. I don't. I I'm gonna. Uh, my early prediction is that we do not see him start, but we see him come off the bench. Um, but I, I think. When it comes to Kamara, he, you know, we kind of make people may have lost track of him because he went to China for six months, but the dude can score goals in this league in bunches. And I want to see if he still has that. I think he still does. And I want to see how he can interact up top, maybe have Rooney fall back because let's be, let's be real. There's been at times where Rooney has had to fall back into the midfield just to get the service that he needs to get the ball forward. And Maybe even if he's parking back forward. there for what's that? Even when he's bursting forward, sometimes he just doesn't have the pace for it. He, yeah, he doesn't have the pace, or he just had, or he's like, "Hey, there's nobody coming with me, so I have to slow yeah, down yeah. to let everybody catch up." But maybe if you know, not necessarily for the entire game, but maybe at stretches, if he says, "I'll drop back," you press forward, Ola, and maybe that is what we need to kind of spring an attack going, and Ola can finish from just about anywhere. So. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how he interacts and it'll be interesting to see how Felipe uh, gets worked in as well, because I feel like he will. Um, he's coming from Vancouver. Again, that's the, this is his yeah, this exactly. is the game that he wants to play. So um, that's my guess. Is he, is he factors somewhat into this game? Yeah. It's interesting that the, of the three moves United made during the off season, two of them were internal within MLS and the first two teams they play after, the, the trades are done are, are the two teams they traded with. Um, right. And Felipe's next game, the next game would be Felipe's old, old team, the rebels. Right. And then we have Montreal, not too far in the his future, too. His, his original team in MLS. <laughs> right. So Felipe gets to maybe, maybe he'll go on a D row tear and just score goals against all his old teams, which D row got a lot of fans that season and an MVP. I don't uh-huh. think Felipe is going to win the MVP this year. I think no. there's only one name on the short list for MVP right now. And it's it, 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 <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we're going to call this a segment. We'll be right back to answer your questions in the Twitter box. Stick around. It's filibuster. 
Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But But if this were a hostile work environment or if I were trying to steal your wages or, or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not, uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the district of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich law office. It is the Ehrlich law office. Uh, they, they offer discrimination, wage and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the district of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason, except no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone, but Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. It's time to answer your questions. We have a segment here we call the Twitter box. Although this week, for the first time, we we asked the question, or we opened it up to questions on the Black and Red United Facebook page. So uh, we got we got some good questions there. So we're gonna go with those. Make sure you like Facebook or, or like Black and Red United on Facebook, and you can get in on this if you're not on Twitter and you don't follow us there. Uh, first question comes from Facebook, Joe Monaghan asks, if you were Casper and company and you had to choose one and only one to splash the cash to keep, do you spend on Acosta or Hamid? Bill Hamid. Donald- <laughs> yeah, the, the answer right now is, is Bill Hamid. I think that's, that's pretty clear if you have to choose one. And I love me some Lucho Acosta, but... Oh, for sure. The answer well, is the, Bill Hamid. Here's the thing that makes that question a really good one, is that to we all know... I think that the heart says, yes, you go for Bill over Acosta in this situation. However, when you look at the financials, to spend the money that it would take to buy Hamid outright and bring him back, the transfer, a likely transfer fee um, from FC Michelin and paying him a salary that would be at or around what he was going to be making um, when if he went back there would put him in a DP status probably. So that would be the only thing that kind of gives you pause. And I think that's why it's a really good question because I think initially we'd be all like, yes, but if you broke it down, it would be a much harder decision than we would give that question credit for. I think he'd probably be in the TAM range at that point, which is about right. That's fair. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, And so so you'd be able to keep the... I, I wonder, like, I, I'm sure Mitchelland is is keeping an eye on him. And, you know, th- this is one thing. And I'm, we're going to go on a tangent here. Well, I'm going to go on a tangent here. Um, I mentioned that he's been kind of mistreated by uh, U.S. national team fans through the, through the years. And one of the things I see a lot of U.S. national team fans saying about Bill Hamid is he couldn't make it in the Danish league. How is he going to make it with the national team? And I, I think that that's 
uh, an incredibly simplistic, and I use the word incredible because it's not credible. Um, it's an incredibly simplistic way to to look at his situation where it's a Champions League team that won the league going away the year before he got there. My guess is that they assumed their keeper, their their championship winning keeper was going to get bought that offseason. He wasn't. And so Bill Hamid came into a situation where he thought it was going to be an open competition. And instead, he's behind the championship winning goalkeeper. And no matter how much you outperform him in practice, in training, you're not going to unseat him unless he makes mistakes in games. And he did make mistakes in games. And he didn't. So it's... They won the league again outright, like, by a lot. So... Yeah, there's nothing Bill Hamid can do. There's no amount of work uh, unless you want him to, you know, go Tanya Harding on him or something. Which and despite we don't, that- we we even though we're okay with a breaking and entering into your own art studio, we're not okay <laughs> with violence against fellow players. And despite the fact that I said they should spend all the money to get him, like I fully expect Michelin to extract a lot of money for Bill Hamid this off season and he may not come back to DC United. They may uh, realize that yes, he's a, he's a great goalkeeper and they may sell him to any other team in the world. Like he's, he could start at a lot of places throughout the world and Michelin may just take the best offer on the table and, or they might sell their that's the prob- starting keeper and all of a sudden sure. has a job he can win. And and there, so yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And so it's just like the fact that he's on loan is still just a not even low key panic moment for at least me uh, because come uh, come uh, November he could be gone again, and that's terrifying. Yeah, there's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's always a, a dollar figure that a team will sell a player for. That there's some amount of money that Midgelin would accept for Bill oh, Hamid, sure. even if they want him to be their starter after January. But DC United has been, I guess they, they did pay two and a half million dollars for Ola Kamara, but at the same time, they were talking to Daniel Sturridge, who's a free agent right now. They got Wayne Rooney on a free transfer. When they can, they still want to. I don't want to say do things on the cheap, but they if they can avoid paying a transfer fee, they're gonna, and and even if it means they have to wait. And so I, I'm curious, Bill Hamid loves DC United. He loves the District of Columbia. So I, there's a part of me in my head that thinks Dave Casper might be you know, knowing that, thinking even if we don't get to extend the loan or don't get to buy him or, or get his contract this year, when his contract runs out in a couple of years, maybe he comes back on a free and spends the rest of his career with DC United after a couple of years in Denmark, which would not be great for those two years, but is something. And it's also not a certainty either. So it's a risk, but right. I, and they've and, got, I can definitely see DC United operating in that way. And they've got nobody in the pipeline right now, which is the scariest part because Chris Seitz is a is a good goalkeeper, but he's not a Bill Hamid level goalkeeper. Earl Edwards, we just have no idea what he can do. I don't think he's a Bill Hamid level. He, well, he's definitely not a Bill Hamid goal, level goalkeeper either. And they they don't have anything else right now. So if he goes away for two years, they've got to sign another David Osted type. And we saw how David Osted went. So it's just going to be another 
big question mark going forward. I think Bill's going to hopefully, I, I, I really hope this, I think, uh, but I also think that he's going to have a lot of options this offseason, uh, including, I mean, if you think about it, come January, there's going to be a lot of teams in Europe um, from, you know, Denmark or, or Sweden or even, you know, Ari Devisi or even like Germany uh, or France who mm-hmm. are going to need a goalkeeper and they're not going to want to pay a lot for them um, to kind of get them over the hump or get them to Champions League level or Europa League level. And he's going to have one of the best cases out there. Uh, and he's going to have probably one of the, the things best. helping is. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say he's probably going to have the best way uh, or best, you know, best option. Um, you know, $3 million in a transfer for a goalkeeper may be a lot for DC United, but it's not going to be a lot for a team in League 1 or the Bundesliga or even two Bundesliga. Um, and that would kind of be, that would be interesting to see if after this season, given his stats, if you look at the stats, he's been the best goalkeeper in MLS since he's got come back, uh, you know, 12 months ago. If that is going to parlay and, and we see FC Michelin saying, hey, we still have our guy, but all these offers are coming in from these random places. It'll be interesting to see what happens to him. Yeah, and perhaps the best thing for for Hamid's options in Europe are the fact that he was playing with Wayne Rooney for the last 12 months. Absolutely. That that definitely increases your visibility, as, as DC United has learned organization-wide over the last year. And honestly, if, quest- we, if we have, to, to finish up, if we have, we're talking about Wayne Rooney being this ambassador for DC United when he leaves, teams are going to be, I mean, not necessarily teams, but some people are going to be calling him saying, hey, what's up with this, this Bill Hamid guy? Is he really the real deal? And Wayne's going to tell him, yeah, this guy is good. He's the best keeper in MLS. And if you're looking for an American keeper right now, go after this guy. And, and hopefully that will help increase Bill's vi- visibility as well. Not just the fact that he was on international TV next to Wayne Rooney, but the fact that he was playing well while doing that. Next question comes from uh, our good friend Marcel at Marcel H on Twitter. He he wants to know when Donald will finally accept blame for the I believe chant. <sighs> <laughs> so I all right, you know what? Uh, I'll answer it. No, I answer it. I'll talk about it. So thank you, <laughs> Marcel, for the question. Um, Marcel, for those of you out there, is on vacation right now, and I'm very jealous of him. Um, but he still took time to ask this question. I did not do it. I did not bl- don't don't blame me. I don't know. It. When I turned on the TV for the World Cup 5 years ago, it was your face and your voice I heard starting the I believe chant on that ESPN commercial. So that you know <laughs> commercials be like they be filming at a slant and so you is, you can't really tell it's me. You kind of it looks like me, but it's not really me cuz they're like shooting from an angle. Um it's uh, not are you fault. saying it wasn't it. you? Yeah, it's not my fault. I didn't do it. <laughs> Um, serious history that that chant started thinking like Kansas City or something or it started at the the Naval Academy for a football game correct a cheerleader started it and then it got picked up wherever sailors happened to go one of them went to Kansas City and it became a staple well, also of, went to, of, of it, sporting so Navy didn't uh, Navy started it but it didn't become a thing until it was done night in and night out by the fans for Utah State basketball. And that's where okay. those people, I think it was a graduate from there and a graduate from Navy, realized that they both love the chant and they, and they brought that to Kansas City. 
Right. And then U.S. national team goes to KC and every local city puts their own slant on cheers whenever, even when the American outlaws descend from all over the country and that chant got done, it became the U.S. won. Was that the, the night that they qualified for the World Cup? Is that what it no, was? No, that was um, it was a big wait, deal. Wait, um, wait, the they qualified for the next team. round. The U.S. For the national team has qualified for a World Cup in our lifetime. They, they've qualified for quite a few, Ben. Yeah, you have um, to go back a ways. But I, I can't remember. You're old. It, it happens. Yeah. So yeah, it was 2012. It was when they qualified for the for the 2013 hex, and because uh, if you recall, the the commercial was actually filmed at Joseph Sarah and Columbus, which was before right. the hex game that was in Kansas City. Gotcha. Uh, Next question, also on Twitter, comes from Murr, at MurrDCU, a regular uh, contributor to the Twitter box, asks us, before the Galaxy game, when was the last time United took a dangerous free kick or corner, and it was not Rooney doing the the service? D-Row. You're going that far back. Uh, you don't think Boscovich? Or uh, more recently, Stieber, maybe, with, with a free kick here or there? No, not They Schieber. weren't as consistent. I think that not consistent. Cons- just well, he just, just said uh, took a dangerous free kick or corner. Oh yeah, so just I guess find one. Probably, probably, probably Z. I mean, when he scored against uh, Red Bull and did the Z for the first time. Yeah, there's a part of me that every time I mention Steber, I just want to say God rest his soul. But I know he's not dead. He's just not <laughs> with us anymore. Again, not dead. Just not with DC United anymore. <laughs> He has moved on. <laughs> he's changed planes. Um, he's no ascended. Isn't the right word either. Um, next question on Facebook comes from Greg Hall. Is Ben Olsen on the chopping block? If he can't get it done this season, I think there's a threshold question there. What constitutes getting it done this season? Sure. Um, because this was the first time in a while that DC United came into a season with legitimate expectations. And there, there's no question that they are not currently meeting those expectations. They can still make the playoffs. They still should make the playoffs. Um, but a couple weeks into the season, we were talking about a supporter shield contender, an MLS Cup, uh, at least MLS Cup final favorite from the East. And that's not where they are right now. They are currently third in the East on points, fourth on points per game. And, um, you can you can go a little bit little bit lower than that for their current form. So, what constitutes getting it done? And if DC United doesn't achieve that, do we see ownership making a move on the coaching front? Uh, this is this is a this is difficult because I think let let's let's get the base out. If we don't make playoffs, everybody getting fired. Yeah. That's easy. They should. Yes. Exactly. I think the question now is when we define getting done, is it getting to the Eastern conference finals, getting to MLS cup or winning it? I think getting it done is getting to the Eastern conference finals. I don't know if Ben, I think Ben is on the chopping block. I don't know if his block is chopped. If we don't get to the Eastern conference finals, I think if we get to that point, he's safe. Casper safe and they're given one more season to kind of get over the hump but there's always something to be said and there's going to be a lot of talk whenever the season ends if we don't win it 
about coaches before the coaches. And what I mean by that is there's always a team who can only go so far with a coach and they're like, to get to the promised land, we have to get rid of this coach. He's taken us as far as we can go. Is that Ben Olsen? I don't know. There's also the convoluted of the fact that he is literally DC United. Um, that makes this decision a lot more difficult. And it also means that if you're going to make that decision, you better be right. Because And you better have somebody in mind and in hand to to go in. And it's gotta be I don't know if it has to be a a Tito a, a, a Martino Almeida level higher, but it's got to be someone with ambition with that also has some grounding. I almost, oh, I'm sorry. I almost think it does. I yeah. almost think if you're trying to get rid of someone who has been ingrained with this this club since its founding, or since just after, you better be going with somebody that everyone goes, Oh, that makes, okay. We, we're trying to go for, we're trying to go for it. And I'm sorry. It's not Chad Ashton. It's not going to be, an it's MLS not Jason. Christ. It, it's not Jason Christ. It's not, you know, you know, Mike Mike. yeah, it's well, not going to be after, one of those after this month. It's definitely not. Oh, Mike well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, like, even if you, even before that, right. If you're like, Hey, we're going to get pecky. That's not enough. There's gotta be somebody that, Everybody, and I'm not just talking about the diehards, I'm talking about casual fans too, are going to be like, whoa, DC United is not playing around. They got rid of a club legend for this guy. They're going for it. And that's what I mean, it's yeah, got to be. I mean, I, yeah, at this point, I agree with you. Like, they've got to, at this point, I would, I don't want to be the guy after Ben Olsen. I'd, uh, I'd rather be the guy after the guy after Ben Olsen because mm-hmm. he's such a club legend that you can't be the guy after him. Uh, unless, you're, unless hard, your name it, is itself, like unless it's not, I'm not talking about like we don't have to bring in like Mourinho or something like that, but like someone from Europe or from South America that saying his name alone, everyone knows exactly who you're talking about, and is and the reputation is like oh that is a very yeah. very good coach, right? And uh, I feel like there's so few of those players, uh, so few of those coaches that like. I don't know if it's going to happen, especially at the money that DC United can pay. Like Frank DeBoer I mean, is a bad coach, to, and like they had, well, like they would have to pay Frank DeBoer money to get a similar level coach. And given, given the way Atlanta's playing right now, I'm not sure Frank DeBoer is a bad coach. I think he had a rough start. He's, he's good because they, he's, he's good because they have good. They have uh, Joseph Martinez, who is the best player in MLS. I, yes but he wasn't performing early in the year and atlanta now is has they're actually good on both sides of the ball not just on defense they're they're turning possession into penetration and into goals um atlanta's going to finish the season a lot stronger than they started it and i completely i i was one of the people criticizing DeBoer early on but um i i think that he may be having the last laugh on us and that makes me angry and sad, but it's where I see things going. Um, okay. I think as far as Ben Olsen goes, I think ownership, if he makes the playoffs this year and the team is playing well going into the playoffs, I think he's probably safe. Even if they, they don't get past the first round again. Um, if they uh, limp into the playoffs and lose a road game, 
things are a bit iffier. I think I think it does come down to whether they're playing well at the end of the year. Um, well, just uh, from to, a subjective eye test, they've been playing well hype, going in. Hypo. Wait, to add to that hypo, what if we we somehow fall backwards into the fourth seed and lose the home game first round? Four seed still has a home game. Right, but if we lose that first round, I think the okay. issue is we win, we lose on the road. You're like, okay, we were terrible on the road. That you can kind of dis- it's easy to dismiss that, but losing at home, that's yeah. that's where fans get upset. Well, I think losing, lost. I think a road game and losing, like, I think it really does come down to a subjective eye test and whether Levian and Casper think the team a has a, a foundation to go forward and and b was actually you could see that in the moment during during the the run in and during the playoffs if they get to the if they get to the eastern conference semis i i think that ben olsen's probably safe even if they don't get to the finals um the the conference finals i i think that's just that's my assessment of where ownership sees and that's not based on any sources or any reporting that's just my gut gut feeling um They've I'm completely lost- sympathetic with wanting more, especially as you see Martino, DeBoer, Almeida type hires in MLS. Um, but you know, Ben Ols- it, its his job to lose, and it's the added element of the playoff format being different this year with it being yeah. single elimination. That you know, that means if, you know if it's like Sunday, right? Like you wake up on Sunday morning and. Rooney's sick and Acosta is not feeling well. And, you know, we're, we're missing two guys because they got hurt the week before that, that can change everything in this, in this tournament, um, (sighs) in the playoffs thing. And I think that's kind of what's, because the thing is everyone's going into it with a new sense of, if you're not there playing that one game, everything can fall apart for you. Um, and there's no second leg to make it up. Uh, I, I, I think DC United has failed so many times in the first round of the playoffs so far. I, I think it's they got he they have to get past the first round this time. Uh, I think there's been so much there's been enough first round failures that it it has to be better this time. I it, it I, I don't think the new playoff format matters as much. I, I I think it just has to happen this year. It has to take a step forward with Rooney in his last uh his last games. It has to take a step forward. Combining those things. I think in the borderline case where they make the playoffs or they get to the second round and and then crash out especially if they haven't been playing that well i i think a lot of it does depend on who they might have in mind and who they might have lined up as a replacement um just because i mean a, a a coach in the hand is worth two in the market or however that saying goes so i i, I think it's it's weird it's hard to get a read on on the organization just because they are very quiet and i think i i also think that whatever happens at the end of the year, Ben Olsen and Dave Casper will probably share the same fate. They will both be back or they will both be gone. Um, and I hope, you know, as a fan who's invested in the short term as well as the long term, hopefully they, they do very well. We win MLS cup and they're both back and win a lot more. That's yeah. the best case scenario, right? For sure. 
So next question comes from Brendan Cartwright, longtime reader of the site and listener at Brendonica on, on Twitter. Uh, he asks us, what's your best lineup for getting Kamara, Rooney, Acosta, and Ariola all into the attack? Not just on the field, but into the attack. Yeah, I think it's a 4-1-4-1. I think that 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 it gives them the best attack where uh Kamara is at the uh, at the striker, uh Rooney and Acosta are in the midfield uh with Moreno behind them and then uh Ariola and Rodriguez are 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 wide. I think that's the best way to get all of them in the attack. Um and yeah, I, who knows if it's the best for uh, Burnbaum and Briant to defend against everybody, and it won't allow us to have Canals or uh, or Durkin. Uh, Durkin or any of them in there uh, beyond whoever DC United chooses to be their defensive midfielder. Yeah, that so, gets them on the. You got, you got a lot of you got a lot of. Uh, uh, pros and cons when you when you get all of them into the uh attack and that's what ben olsen's got to figure out right i think there's there's also the option if you want to do a a true kind of three five two where you have rooney and kamara up top with acosta underneath um that, that gives you the second defensive midfielder you put Ariola um in a wingback spot and you you and play it. on the front foot you play in the front foot so that he can stay higher. Um, what that means, Pines, it. rather than Briant is next to him um, to, to cover for that space. That also means Hara is either in a center back spot or a defensive midfield spot or, or on the bench, which is probably not the best for the team because he does bring a lot. You're telling me all things I hate. I know, but I'm trying... I'm providing different options uh sure. it's not the three four three where there's only three guys really going forward i mean there are there are three guys but those when those three guys are rooney kamara and acosta and then you have uh Ariola coming up on one side and either mora or rodriguez on the other with uh hara's passing out of the back and and Knausen more in the midfield i i start to see possible virtues I don't know if it's my I, preferred I lineup, but I'm it, it. It's worth thinking about just as a thought experiment to my mind. Yeah, I think the the issue with the with having all four out there, I I think realistically the way that Ben has it with the four one four one would be the best option. But in any option, you have to put somebody on the bench that you really want slash need on the field. Yeah. Um, you either you have to pick between Moreno and Canals, or if you do the, you know, three, five, two, you have to decide between, you know, TT and, and Mora, Yara and Ariola. Uh, I, and those, and those, and the problem with it is, is I'm not quite sure who I'd want to sit. Um, but I think if we're talking about a four, one, four, one, it allows for our substitutions to be, to keep in line with what our guys naturally play. Um, if that makes sense. So, uh, I, I think that's probably why I trend towards there. And even if you have to make the decision of, do you leave Moreno or Canals on the bench? The other one can always be brought in and substitute along with, you know, or maybe like a Segura or someone to back everybody up. 
Next question also from Twitter. Scott Nylitz at Scott Nylitz on Twitter asks us at filibuster DCU. Who's the next homegrown in line to step up to the first team? Um, in a perfect world, it would be uh, Brian Congo, who has been real good for, for Loudon when he's played and has played for the national team, the, the youth national team as well. But it sounds like he's likely going to Europe. He's fielding offers from from abroad, and it sounds like he's likely to to go. I think he's, he's what, 17 at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but definitely a, a strong prospect who... A best case scenario, he signs and he's the next to sign. Um, The other one is probably Moses Nyman, who's uh, a 15 year old who's absolutely tearing it up uh, for for the academy team and the the boys national team and and also on occasion for for Loudoun County. Uh, The kid can dribble, he can pass, he knows when to make a run, Um, and and. Jason and uh, Ryan Kiefer can can speak a lot more on both of those guys, but we don't have either of them on the show tonight. But my my understanding is those are the two best guys going forward for the the two best prospects in the pipeline right now for DC United. And it looks like one of them might get away, and that's that's unfortunate. But you know, you wish you wish him the best, and and hope maybe he comes home someday and plays plays lights out for DC United. And maybe they get some uh, training compensation someday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I would I definitely go from what I saw, I saw the uh game a couple weeks ago, Loudon against uh uh Louisville. Um and I saw Moses Nyami come in and just absolutely immediately make an impact. And when you just said right now that he was fifteen, I did not know that until just now. Um that makes <laughs> what I saw even more impressive. Um so he would be my bet. Um and as a midfielder, um, if he's able to, you know, maybe play one more year and and then be able to crack into that lineup, that would be great. Um, I also have heard and saw some good things from uh, at least throughout the the year so far from uh, Theodore Cudi Pietro. Um, he's making a lot of noise on the youth scene as well. And even though he kind of, I guess, technically is no longer a part of the academy, I think he signed a contract with Loudon. Um, I, I think he would be one of those guys that could easily fit right in um, in the next couple of years as well. Need more kind of the future of the team. Yeah. Yeah. Snyman um, uh, was born in 2003. That is terrifying. <laughs> exactly. It's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> uh, let's see. Scrolling for a question here because I did not properly plan. Um, Next question comes from Tim Flesh at Tim underscore Flesh on Twitter. What are your guys' opinions of Dave Casper since he came to DC? I think he's good and really good when it comes to moves within the league. And also, could we see one more signing or do you think the team will be fine for the rest of this season? So two questions there. Thoughts on Dave Casper and um, are there any free agents that, that DC United might sign? Um, I think knocking the second one out first, I think it's unlikely that we'll see any free agents. It sounds like um, DC United's not high on signing uh, Jose Torres for this year. Um, he, he might be a candidate to sign over the winter and be a contributor next season, but his fitness isn't there yet. Um, similar issue for, for 
Daniel Sturridge, which it's weird to say that um, about a, a, a former goal scorer for Chelsea and Liverpool. Um, he's a free agent right now. He's fielding offers from a lot of teams, but apparently talks with DC United broke down last week. He's not likely to be coming in and health and wages. It sounds like are both potential issues there. Um, so I, I think unless there's another big injury and in, against Vancouver and the team has to make an emergency signing right away and finds a free agent to fill that spot, I don't think anybody's coming. Um, I will defer to you guys and let you guys answer first on the Dave Casper question. That was very smart to do that because um, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> I was trying to somehow avoid this question. I it's hard. I can jump say, in if you want, or you can go if you want. I'm trying to formulate my thoughts on this. It's it's yeah, it's weird. Go ahead. I think Dave Casper has been great. He's done with what he's been ha- what he's had to deal with and i think he's done a great job of it uh he's been able to sign paul ariola russell Knauss, wayne rooney uh i think he has been great at adapting to whatever ownership group has been in charge of the team uh at any time that he's been there and he has made the best at what he's been given so i think Dave Casper's done a really great job and uh especially with the contacts the contracts and the uh the salary cap management uh I I don't see any problem with with Dave Casper it, like you can you can quibble about uh uh signings but I th- I feel like a lot of that is on other people so I think given what he's been able to do with uh allocation money and signings and fitting everything in. He's been great. Yeah. I, I feel like the, so he's had some hits. He's had some misses. Um, he signed Wayne Rooney. He signed Carlos Ruiz. Like we, we could go back and forth as to what was good about his ten about his tenure so far and what has not hit at all. Um, and they're very, it's, it's almost like there's a bunch of extremes. I think, uh, transfer deadline day uh, a couple years ago when we got um, Ariola and um, and Kanaus in the span of like four seconds um, <laughs> could arguably be the best moment for any GM in MLS ever. Um, I, I could argue that. Um, but there have been some very big misses and some gambles and I think one of the things as a general manager that he has not quite learned yet. And I mean, he's been in this position now, what, 12 years um, is that sometimes even when your owner uh, or owners ownership group um, is not trying to give you the cash, you fight for the team that you need to put on the field. In other words, you have a job to do. Your job is to help the coach and the coaching staff, by getting the best players that they need to get the job done. And if someone is standing in your way to prevent that job from being done, you fight for your job. And I think some points he has not done that. He has said, Oh, it's something we can't do. Um, We don't have the money and has not said, Hey, look, you wanted me to do this. Here is the best way we can do this. And it may require you to dig in your dig in your wallet a little bit further. Uh, and I think there's times where he could have been more 
assertive in getting the players that they needed at the time to get us out of either bad situations or in the case of some of our you know, really good years like 2014 or 15, get us over the hump and get us to MLS Cup, which is what the end goal is. So uh, I, I think it's up and down. I won't say he's been terrific. Um, I'll say he's been good, but at, at times he has shown that he needs uh, he just needs to be a little bit more assertive in what he's doing. And I get that there's a lot of you know stuff that he just actually absolutely couldn't do. Like he's probably not fitness or no fitness. I don't think they have the money to pay Daniel Sturridge is what he wants. Uh, if you you know Gareth Bale sitting on the bench at Real Madrid, he, he's not going to be <laughs> able to pay him, um, no matter how much he wants him. So I get that, but there's definitely times where you say, hey, look, this guy only costs a million. Let's go get him because if you want this team to compete for a championship, this is the best player for the system, and this is the guy we need, and fight for that. I think there's some validity to that. I remember in 2013, I, I said that he hadn't shown that he could work without the training wheels represented by uh, Kevin Payne, and he sh- should probably be replaced. And he went out after... I wrote that and orchestrated 2014 where they went worst to first in the East. And, um, you know, I, I ate some crow for that and he, he's been mostly really good in the GM spot since then. I wonder whether as MLS not only continues to improve, but seems to accelerate its improvement at, in the quality of play and the quality of players and the quality of roster and the depth of roster, that that comes in whether Casper can build year to year to to make a a championship contending team and keep the team there because so often we see fits and starts um where where we have 2014 and then we fall back in 2015 we have 2018 and then we we fall back this year and i i wonder whether you know and obviously there are circumstances at play there but when you're the GM your job is to to overcome those circumstances to an extent and build a team of with the right depth and the right makeup that can, can stay there. And and it's a hard job and I'm not saying it's an easy job, but I am, I'm, I don't have anybody in mind, which is the, the death of whatever argument I'm trying to make. But I, I wonder whether there's someone who, whether Dave has the vision and the, I, I don't know the foresight to, be able to look two years out ahead and, and see where not just DC United, he wants DC United to be, but where the rest of the league will be and to be able to push those ambitions higher and higher and higher. Um, no matter who the owners are or what kind of resources he's given. Cause he, he proved to be really successful in a, a, a very constrained environment in those last years at RFK. But now we're in a different paradigm and, he he's done well and I want to see him continue to doing well. I'm just want to see the team progress noticeably year after year. And we haven't necessarily seen that we've seen them plateau and then jump and plateau and jump. And I want to see a steadier improvement. Yeah. Um, and I think with the, with, with we, we heard about, you know, when I, what I call the recession, the last like few years, RFK, where there were very lean years and we kept hearing, Hey, we're not going to spend any money now. We're not going to, we're going to wait until we get in the stadium and we get our money. We got into the stadium. We got, we got Wayne Rooney and we brought bill back and they were like, that's enough. That's and then this year they didn't, 
you know, they didn't resign Assad. I know there's a lot of stuff behind that, but when people, when people here for years, we're going to wait to open the checkbook, but when we get into the new stadium, trust me, we're going to open up the checkbook and you get to the new stadium and they're not really doing that. I mean, we, we did. Yeah. I, that's the point that people get frustrated. And I yeah, think I got to say, Dave the, said, let's do this. Let's, let's just try it for a year. If we, if we crash and burn, I'll take the heat. But otherwise, we're hoisting MLS Cup if we get these four players. Yeah, at this point, the Assad situation is much more frustrating to me. Not not so much because we didn't sign him at all, um, which is as much on Assad as it is on on the team, if not more so on Assad. But the reason they didn't want to go through with with the deal with Vela Sarsfield is because it would burn a DP slot, and we needed to keep the powder dry. To, to use that and they didn't sign any DPs. Mm-hmm. Ola Kamara might use one in the future, but Wayne Rooney's gone and so that's fine. But he's he's a TAM player right now, I mean, not a DP. And and if Yamil Assad is a DP on this team, they're a better team than they are. He's not going to solve all the problems, but there's more depth. He he provides a pressing option that we didn't have. He provides continuity from last year. It's at the margins, he makes the team better in a lot of ways. And he wanted helps. to be here. I think and he, he wanted yeah. to be here. That, the, there's not a lot of players that want to play for DC United over his last few years. And we let one of them go and not bring him back. And that's what's frustrating. Yeah, knowing that they wanted to... They, they didn't let him go because of MLS roster construction stuff. And then right. they didn't... They didn't use the opportunity, the opportunity cost of letting Yamil Assad go. There was no upside to it. And the reason you let him go is because you want to use that upside. And they didn't. And that's the part that's frustrating to me. And that, you know, I understand wanting to keep your powder dry. But just like if you're in anything else, if, if you're giving something up, you need to it needs to not just be speculative, the potential benefits. you got to have a plan in mind and a path to make it work. And I, I don't know that that was the case this time. Uh, moving on, uh, kind of staying on the roster construction front. Uh, question from Christopher Emil Johnson on Facebook asks us, okay, assuming that Rooney, Acosta, Ariel, and Hamid are all gone next year. Which position is a priority and who do you have in mind? Obviously we have Kamar to replace Rooney, but after that, um, my first response is they're all priorities at that point. If you lose (laughs) Hamid goalkeeper has to be a priority. If you lose Areola, the wing has to be a priority. If you lose Acosta, maybe you don't have to have another number 10. Like a number 10 is not a requirement to, to play in the modern game. As we saw this weekend, but you need to have a plan to replace that creativity and uh, that production that he provided last year and that to a much lesser extent he's provided this year, whether that's on the wings or from a deeper position. But you have to you have to completely retool and that creates many priorities. I have nobody specific in mind but, because I don't know what that world looks like at this point. So, Donald, did, did Adam leave us with anything else? Uh, I have no response. That was perfect. <laughs> That's what you call great hosting, guys. Just keep it going. Keep the show moving. Uh, don't let anybody else talk. That is that is what they teach you in hosting school. Yeah. No, uh, for me, Bill Mead is the most uh, 
the thing you have to replace the the player you have to replace the most because like we said they don't have any anybody in the in in the wings for Bill Mead. Uh, like Chris Seitz is a good player. Earl Edwards is a good player, but none of them, neither of them are Bill Hamid players at any level. And we saw last year that when you replace Bill Hamid with uh, uh, David Osted, oh, it's, it's, it's not the same. It's, it just doesn't work. So I think Bill Hamid has to be the top of the priority list. If you can't get Bill Hamid back. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, like I hinted earlier in the show, his, his this decision around him is the most important, maybe the most important that they do this offseason because for not to diminish Rooney, Acosta, or Ariola, but there are guys in the world that we can go get that can somewhat replace them. I don't know who that is for Bill Hamid that can, we could bring him in. Everyone goes, whew, we got that covered. Yeah. We're cool. Everyone else, we can get somebody that at least people can be at ease that we are covered but not Bill. And I think that is the real, real hurt. That's the thing right there is there's not a lot of goalkeepers out there that can bring in that player. And really we're talking about, we've been spoiled in the fact that for, you know, the last 10 years minus, you know, six months, we've had the best goalkeeper in MLS and we haven't had to worry about it because the kid loved DC and he wanted to be here and he's from here and he represented. And if he's gone, we don't have anybody that brings all of that and the, the fact that he would be walking and be the best goalkeeper, uh, that would be the most important thing to do. And I'm maybe, not sure. Maybe how we could, it. maybe we could go to an accounting office somewhere and unearth the next Troy Perkins. It worked once. Didn't. No, I mean, no, Troy Perkins was goalkeeper of the year in his first step. I, in DC. I know that. So it worked once bringing him back. didn't work trading the farm to Philadelphia to get him back. Didn't work. Anyway, next question. Yeah, you're proving uh, my point. <laughs> uh, next question from Kilo, whose handle is, I'm not going to read. I'm sorry. Actually, Ben already swore on this, so we might already have the exclusive. I'm, 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 no, I'm editing it. I'm editing that out. So. All right. So I won't. I won't. Sorry, Kilo. I'm not going to read your. Uh, it's a hole FC, but less censored is his handle on Twitter. He asks us at filibuster DCU thoughts on the MLS ban on political speech at games. And I think we could all go uh, very long on this. And I, I am sure that we're all on the same page. So I will not monopolize this answer. I will turn the floor over to you guys. Oh, so you're just hiding now. I'm uh, not hiding. I'm saying explicitly, I know what you're going to say and I agree with you. And I will probably redouble that after you speak, but now I'm going to let you speak first. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's terrible. I mean, MLS is a, MLS is a coward. Uh, they have decided th- what political speech means to them, and it's a very narrow definition. And they're cowards about it. I think they have a very broad definition of political speech, and that's part of the problem. Something as anodyne as end gun violence, not Congress end gun violence or ban assault weapons or anything actually policy-based, just gun violence is bad and should be ended. Those signs were confiscated in Atlanta. Um, 
that's not a political statement. And gun violence is is a moral statement, not a political statement. And I, I would say, right, and but- I have said the same thing about pride flags. They're not political statements. They are statements that people who historically have been unwelcome in most environments are in fact welcome and encouraged to come here and to exist. And that's a moral statement. And gun violence being bad is a moral statement. <laughs> um, MLS's definition is overbroad. And that that's a part of the problem. But just the 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 way they view soccer as a as a politics free zone is incredibly myopic and wrongheaded and historically just inaccurate sports have always been political they will always be political and trying to save people from opinions inside a stadium is is just so dumb to my mind and soccer above yeah. all of those sports like any other sport i mean yes you're right most sports have political statements they are political in nature but none more so than soccer i mean soccer stopped a civil war in the Ivory Coast and a lot of other nations. It has made religions come together. It has made people from all walks of life come together in the name of the beautiful game. And that's why it's called the beautiful game. It's not because of what's on the field. It's because of the things that it has done off the field to bring the world together. And I think MLS over being overbroad with their MLS ban or with their ban on political speech is basically the real main issue of it is that it does not it does not stop anyone from expressing their views it allows some people and some groups to have a place at the table that they have no business being at and this is all I'm dancing around I'll just go ahead and say it talking about Nazis not being allowed at games and people spreading that type of hate for somebody who is an African-American who has had to deal his entire life with people calling him inferior, calling his race less than a person. uh, That shit is not welcome to me. And MLS's ban on all political speech allows that speech to be accepted. And I think that is the biggest problem with this rule and I think that's why they really need to get on the front and say, we talk about all the time, don't cross the line, racism not welcome, uh, support the military and all this stuff. And they have all these things that they will get behind, but they won't get behind the simple fact that someone who wants to be in a section that is spewing hate about the race of a person being inferior or superior or whatever to that of another in that section willingly MLS should not be allowing that no one should be allowing that that should not be allowed anywhere and the fact that they have broadened this so that no one can talk this about things that should not be really discussed it should not be an issue I think everyone wants to end gun violence everybody even people with guns but for some reason, that has now been defined as political speech. And now we can't say that at games, but a, a Nazi group can literally walk into Audi Field earlier this year with the away section and be welcomed. That doesn't sit right with me. And that's why this this is bad. And that's why this needs to change. 
we'll, we'll, I think one more question that we will end it on a, a slightly sillier note. Um, as we talked about last week, Mesut Ozil potentially uh, a target for, for DC United. I guess he would replace that number 10 spot if Acosta left. Um, but he might, his people might just be coming here to talk about a coffee shop uh, in the stadium. It's unclear at this point exactly what's going to happen. Uh, ben Owen, friend of the show, uh, asks us on Facebook, how much Ozo coffee do I have to buy before I get enough rewards points for us to actually sign Mesut Ozil? And will we help him fundraise to buy all the coffees and presumably also for the medical bills that all the coffee would entail? Ben, would you chip in? for coffee for someone else to drink if it brought Mesodozil to DC United. No. You you wouldn't chip in. <laughs> Zero dollars. You would throw Ben other Ben no money. Zero dollars. Oh, Probably man. negative money. Probably Don't, negative money. You would you would go to his account and skim off the top. You would rob the man. No, no. I wouldn't rob him, but I would if you wanted me How to How else are you going to give him negative dollars? I, I'm about to tell you, I, he would have to pay me in tea money to support his coffee shit. I have mm. no idea how that would work. Yeah, he'd have this to pay is why me, I'm not in finance. Have, he would have to pay me to support him, is what I'm saying. I don't well, understand. Coffee shop probably has tea. Ozo Coffee probably has a, a, a tea option of some they sort. They probably have some kick-ass Turkish tea. Yeah. So here's what I'll say, Ben Owen, my buddy, my friend, my brother – I <laughs> this is going bad. This is a Stephen A. Smith setup. <laughs> no, I, I will tell you this. Look, I do not drink coffee. I am not a coffee drinker. I drink tea like Ben Brownlee does. But if we get Mesut Ozil, I will have one cup of coffee for you at Ozil Coffee's place. If it's in Audi Field, great. If it's, I, I won't say I'll go to you know Germany or Turkey, or whatever, wherever. It, London chains are London. Actually, I might go to London. I might do that. Um, (laughs) But yes, if it's at Audi field and he is playing on the field, I will have one during the game. It'll, it will probably be terrible to me, but I will do it because that man will be playing in black and red and I'll be happy. Uh, He's, he's the big player. You and Ben Owen can, can really agree on as an Arsenal Real Madrid uh, crossover. That's my man's. (laughs) <laughs> uh i i enjoy mesodozil i would love to see him i would uh, i don't know if i would I, I guess i would go one for one any coffee i bought at ozil's coffee shop which would be non-zero i would chip in a coffee for ben if if we could get the rewards points i think we'd all as a community have to chip in on those reward points though to to get ozil to dc united because he's not gonna come cheap so even when, even even without it, even if there's no transfer fee, even if Arsenal's just happy to get his salary off the books, there's a lot of money that's going to have to be paid to the man. And I don't know if there's as much of a market for um, in the U.S. for his image rights the way that DC United signed an agreement like outside of the MLS contract with Wayne Rooney for marketing and stuff. Ozil's great. I don't think he has that level of cachet so there's going to be a lot more money just paid to the player maybe we can just do like the dude who got the free nugs from wendy's we can just say hey at ozil coffee shop or whatever his handle is how many retweets before you come to dc united or two million how, free coffee two, two or yeah to say coffee? how many how many rewards points do i need to cash in and if it's like a million then we go okay cool we just start a, a rewards go fund me 
and have the entire world send No, us- we just make Ben Owen uh, get every coffee until it comes That's true. But here's the thing. There might be some Arsenal fans, and I know Ben's not one of them. There's some Arsenal fans that would probably chip in to send him here. So we would get some people on our side. This could grow. It's true. We have we have a potential movement on our hands here. So uh, action well, items after the 10. show. Tweet out uh, to Mesodozil how many rewards points, how many coffees from your coffee shop for you to come to DC United slash how many retweets. Yes. Um, all right. I like it. I like this plan. I feel like we're in a good place. This is a good meeting slash podcast. We're going to end it here. Thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially if you're so inclined. We appreciate every donation at patreon.com slash filibuster. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu. Uh, I'm at the underscore AMT. Ben, you are? Uh, at BRU Bromley. Way to be on your toes. Uh, Jason is at chestrockwell14. Donald, you are? At DW. And you can also find Donald at Stars and Stripes FC, where he is the co-manager. Anywhere else we should look for you on the internet? Uh, American Outlaws and just in real life. Yes. Find him at the whatever your local American Outlaws bar is. He's probably there at this very second. All in time and space is really just one thing. I have a time, Turner. Um, <laughs> he is, in fact, Hermione Granger. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, review, download, whatever else at the podcatcher of your choice. We are everywhere out there. If you are on a podcatcher and we are not on it, let us know and we will see what we can do to rectify that situation. Mostly, though, please tell a friend about the show whenever you are gathering around the old laptop to watch the game on Saturday on Flow FC or ESPN Plus. Just tell a friend about the show. We'd really appreciate that. That's the best way to get the word out. For Donald and Ben, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Donald. Goodbye, Donald.